Hi there. Thank you for choosing to listen to this sermon. We pray that God would use this as an added resource to benefit you in conjunction with you belonging to a local church near you. This sermon was preached at Central Baptist Church, Pretoria. 130 years of believers loving God, caring for one another and impacting the world. Good evening everyone. It is great uh, to be in the house of the Lord and and it is I am really excited about this new series in 1 Corinthians. And we called the series Corinthian Chaos. And as uh, as the series unfolds I'm sure you will see how the title is fitting. Um so I want you open your bibles in 1 Corinthians and today we're going to be reading from verse 1 to verse 9. All right, 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and we'll be reading from verse 1 to verse 9. Paul called by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus and our brother Sosthenes to the church of God that is in Corinth to those sanctified in Christ Jesus called to be saints together with all those who in every place call upon the name of our Lord Jesus Christ both their lord and ours grace to you and peace from God our father and the lord Jesus Christ I give thanks to my god always for you because of the grace of god that was given you in Christ Jesus that in every way you were enriched in him in all speech and all knowledge even as the testimony about Christ was confirmed among you so that you are not lacking in any gift as you wait for the revealing of our lord jesus christ who will sustain you to the end guiltless in the day of our lord jesus christ god is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of his son jesus christ our lord oh god we again ask you that you would speak to us this is your word your A sweet word a word that is breathed out by you and we want to conform to it we want to submit to it we want to listen to it open our hearts uh that we may put it into practice would you help us and lead us this evening i ask you even lord that you will hide me and that Christ alone will be exalted guide my words and speak to me speak to your people in the precious name of Jesus amen so before just before levi was was born and Melissa and I are, are talking a lot about babies and you know facebook listens to you and then all of a sudden baby videos start appearing on your facebook feed and one of the v- video compilations that i i saw a couple of times were of photos like that where parents come back home or or come into the room and just see just a mess everywhere um my mom 
tells me, I, I don't remember this when I was small as well. Uh, at one particular point, I was in my, I had been uh, in my room um, there by myself, and they came, and um, basically I had redecorated the entire room um, with human things, if you get what I mean. And it was, yeah, um, just a mess. And um, Paul, as, as he hears report from the Corinthians, he just hears and has kind of this picture, what a mess. What a mess um, <clears throat> that was happening in the, the church of Corinth. Now, I need to give a little bit of background and context in terms of um, Corinthians uh, so that we, we have a little bit of understanding um, of, of what was happening. So where was Corinth? Corinth was the capital of Achaia and located 40 miles west of Athens on the narrow isthmus connecting Peloponnese on the south with northern mainland um, of Greece. This is like a little, um, uh, it's called the, uh, the Corinthian Channel. And, and it was a very strategic uh, city. Uh, it was a, a port city. And uh, it was about five miles in circumference, just south of the sharply rising 2,000-foot uh, Acrocorinth, uh, which um, hosted the temple of Aphrodite, uh, or Venus if you're a Roman. Um, and this temple of Aphrodite had a thousand priestesses, uh, which were kind of bond servants who were employed as temple prostitutes to facilitate idolatrous worship. It is even recorded that the sandals of these notorious priestesses of Aphrodite were studded with an imprint that spelled out, follow me, uh, in the dust of the street. It was, um, there was an old city of Corinth which was destroyed by the Romans in 146 BC. And all the citizens then were sold as slaves. And a century, a century late, it was rebuilt by Julius Caesar. Now, the old city was very much characterized by immorality. And it, it, was, it had a notorious reputation to the extent that to Corinthianize was to fornicate. And a Corinthian girl was a prostitute. And... Though this new city had a lot of associations that were brought across, um, D.A. Carson points out that old uh, traditions die hard. But it's not like the new city uh, was very pure and moral. They were kind of following in the same um, footsteps of the morality of the old city. So as you can imagine, it was an environment that breathed out immorality. And it's, it's, it's important for you to keep that in mind even as we, as we go um, through the letter of uh, 1 Corinthians. Now, who were the Corinthian church? The Corinthian church was uh, established in Paul's second uh, uh, missionary visit 
uh, trip, sorry, and he was supporting himself with his trade as a tent maker, and he lived with Aquila and Priscilla for a while, who were also tent makers, and they had moved recently to Corinth from Rome. And we, you can find that information in, in Acts chapter 18. I actually just want to read a portion of that. Um, after this, Paul left Athens and went to Corinth, and he found a Jew named Aquila, a native of Pontus, recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla, because Claudius had commanded all the Jews to leave Rome, and he went to see them. And because he was of the same trade, he stayed with them and worked, for they were tent makers by trade. And he reasoned in the synagogue every Sabbath and tried to persuade Jews and Greeks. Now, in verse 8 of Acts chapter 18, Crispus, the ruler of the synagogue, believed in the Lord together with his entire household, and many of the Corinthians, hearing Paul, believed and were baptized. And the Lord said to Paul one night in a vision, Do not be afraid, but go on speaking, and do not be silent, for I am with you, and no one will attack you to harm you, for I have many in this city who are my people. And so that, that is the start of the, the church in, in Corinth. Now, I would like to give you a bit of a timeline of what the relationship between Paul and the Corinthian church was. All right? So, um, Paul has his first visit uh, there uh, in, in Corinth, and then he writes a letter to, to them, all right? But that letter we do not have. It's a lost letter. Um, and then he, and, and we, we know that there was a letter because it's referenced in 1 Corinthians 5, 9, there were, that there was a previous letter. And then after that, he wrote a second letter addressing some of the problems happening there, and also answering some of their questions. And this second letter that he wrote to them is what we know as First Corinthians. After that, Paul visited Corinth again, and it was a painful visit, and um, things didn't really change much after the first letter to the Corinthians. Or, or his second letter. So it was a painful letter. And then after that, he wrote a third letter that it's called the severe letter, which is also lost, that we don't, we don't know, we don't have access to it. So that was Paul's third letter to the Corinthians. And then he wrote a fourth letter to them, which we call Second Corinthians. Uh, then after that, he visited them one last time. So he had a, a very good grasp in terms of what was happening in, in Corinth. Um, uh, he wanted to be in touch with what was going on there, having founded and, and started the, job, the, the work there. Now, what was the occasion for this letter? We know that um, there were reports given to him by Chloe's household that there were all kinds of chaos happening. And since the, the title of the series, firstly, 
he hears that there were divisions inside the church. Some were Team Peter, some were Team Apollo, some were Team Paul. Right? And I hope this doesn't happen here. Team Jabu, Team Isaac, Team Pastor Charles, Team Pastor Mark. But they were not united. They were divided. It was a church that was divided. There were some people in there that were sleeping with temple prostitutes and thought this was okay. We have a case where someone was sleeping with his stepmom. They were divided regarding food offered to idols. There were chaos in the assembly. Now, they, they abused uh, the gift of tongues and, and, and there was disorderly worship. Um, Causing even out, outsiders to think, what, what is going on in there? Some were getting drunk with communion. There were rich believers not waiting for the poor believers. Uh, some did not, believe, uh, did not take Paul serious as, as, a, as a real apostle. Some had some bad theology thinking there, there was no resurrection of the dead. And they were not mature believers. They were instead infants. Since my illustration of an infant, they were like infant doing a mess. And so, this was a messy church. And sometimes we hear, I hear people think, saying, we have to go back to the early church. And my question is, which one? <laughs> because if it's this one, I'm not sure. <laughs> we should go back to that. And so all of this intro is to show the context in which Paul is writing. So just think about this for a second. He, he's aware of all these things that are happening in the church. Now, what would be your first words? If you were writing to them, what would you say to them? What would you start with? You know that all of this is happening. So what do you start with? Let, let us look at how Paul, having all of this knowledge of all that's going on, how does he start this letter to them? So verse 1, Paul called by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus and our brother Sosthenes. First thing I want to point out is that is of Paul's calling. He greets them, and this is kind of a standard greeting in terms of other letters that he wrote. But there is much more to this. I want us to go back just a little bit in terms of Paul's own journey with the Corinthians. We read in Acts chapter 18, verse 9 and 10, it says, And the Lord said to Paul one night in a vision, Do not be afraid, but go on speaking, and do not be silent, for I am with you, and no one will attack you to harm you, for I have many in this city who are my people. So the first thing that he starts with is, is mentioning, defending in a way his apostleship, that the, it is the Lord who called him and spoke to him. He, spent, he had spent a year and a half there preaching the gospel. 
He was an apostle to them. And as already mentioned, some of them failed to recognize this. And so this is, in a way, Paul affirming his apostleship. <clears throat> and an apostle was not, was not just anyone. An apostle, and Paul being an apostle to the Corinthians, he had a distinct and unique commission to that church. One commentator puts it, the apostle was not one who just took up religious leadership of a church on a whim, but one who had received a special commission from the risen Christ. So Paul probably knew it was going to be different. He has to, uh, difficult, sorry, he's, he has to address some of these issues that are going on. <clears throat> but these first words are crucial. I believe it is a reminder both to them and to himself that he was called by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus. That it was not by the will of man that he was there. That he wasn't trying to just do a transactional uh, business and, and trying to sort out things. But there was a special calling from God on his life sending him there as an apostle. He's reminding them and himself that he's a servant of Christ Jesus not of man. He's there by the will of God, not of man. And, and I, I would like to um, make an application for us here, for those of you, each, each one of you that is involved in ministry, and maybe even for us that are in full-time ministry, that as things get tough and things are going to be difficult, that we have to go back to this why are we here? Who called us? Who put us here? Why, why am I doing why am I, of, of what I'm doing? I've been called by God, and this has been entrusted into my hands, and I need to do things in light of that, remembering who is the real boss, who has called us, who has sent us, what is this all about? It's about Him not about us, what we think, or to please man. But secondly, he goes from kind of his calling to the Corinthians' calling. Verse 2. To the church of God that is in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints together with all those in every place, Call upon the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, both theirs, both their Lord and ours. So after reminding them of his apostleship and greeted them, he reminds them of their calling. Now, I, I believe this is intentional. Remember, he knows all the chaos that is going on. That's why he's writing the letter. He has heard of all the mess, of all the sin that is um, amongst them. And though he will address them specifically as the letter continues, he starts by reminding them of their calling. He, he reminds them, you are a church 
of God. You're not just a, a bunch of people getting together. You are a church, a, a church of God. You belong to God. And something happened to you. You have been sanctified in Christ Jesus. That means the Holy Spirit has worked in your hearts. It has regenerated you. It has brought you to faith in Christ Jesus. And not only that, you are called to be saints, to be set apart, to be different from the world. And so as he starts already, I, I think that Paul was, was already thinking of maybe that brother, a, a person that was, was sleeping with temple prostitutes and saying, you are called to be different. You are called to be set apart. He starts reminding them of their calling. Maybe those that were living in homosexuality and saying, you can't go according to the trend and the environment around you. He's reminding, reminding them, you have been called to be different, to be set apart. And he goes on to say, but not, not just them, but every single believer everywhere. We have been called to be different. We have been called to be saints, to be holy. And, and it's not like, wow, the, the, the Corinth environment was so much different than ours. People of God, we live in a society that, that calls murdering babies healthcare. That struggle to define men and women. We are in an environment that uh, constantly we, we see of, of news of, of trying to change laws to um, be okay to, to kill people with euthanasia. We have been called to be different and set apart. And, and it will be foolish of us to think that uh, our, our world and our environment is, is, is just much, much better and we are not being influenced by it. It's night and day. I've been called to live holy. He is calling them and reminding them, you were called to be holy, set apart. And so he reminds them of their calling. But then he, he moves on from verse 4 to 9. And, and he actually is basically saying, you have potential. You have a lot of potential. Look at verse 4 to 9. I give thanks to my God always for you because of the grace of God that was given you in Christ Jesus, that in every way you were enriched in Him in all speech and all knowledge, even as the testimony about Christ was confirmed among you, so that you are not lacking in any gift as you wait for the revealing of our Lord Jesus Christ, who will sustain you to the end, guiltless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of His Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. He sees this church of Corinth 
you have been given a lot. You have been given so much. There is so much potential there. And so let us just briefly look at some of the things that he mentions. Firstly, in in verse 4, he mentions grace. They have been given grace. Because of, uh, I give thanks to my God always for you because of the grace of God that was given you in Christ Jesus. They had received salvation. They had salvation in Him. It reminds us of Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. For by grace you have been saved through faith, in, and that is not of yourself. It is the gift of God, not of works, so that no one can boast. They have been saved. They have been given grace. What else? They have been given speech. Verse 5, that in every way you were enriched in Him in all speech. In other words, they had the ability to actually share the truth with, with other people. They, they, they were able and capable of sharing truth. Knowledge. They were enriched in speech and knowledge. It's not that they, were, they knew everything, obviously not. But uh, a commentator, David Pryor, says of this, The church as a body has access to all the wisdom, insight, discernment, and truth which it needs. It needs no special gurus to bring it to them. In, in other words, they, in Christ, they had all that they needed in terms of knowledge. There was no need of a, 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 a special revelation or a special someone to give them a, a different source of knowledge. They had it. They had received that. They were enriched in that. Verse 6. Even as the, the testimony about Christ was confirmed among you. This testimony was confirmed. That means they were actually. That word has to do with. They were settled in their convictions. They knew what they believed had an idea of this is where we stand. Verse 7, so that you are not lacking in any gift as you wait for the revealing of our Lord Jesus Christ. This was, this was amazing. Paul is saying, you got all the spiritual gifts you need. You're not lacking in any of the gifts. Now we know from further on that they, some of those gifts were definitely abused, but they were, they were gifted in every way. They had all that they needed in order to, for the body to be edified and for, for there to be growth as they expected the returning of the Lord. So, so they were gifted. They were, it was a gifted church. No gift was lacking to them. So he, he sees here, you have been given so much. You have been given so much. But I want to, to move on to my last point. <clears throat> he reminds them that God is faithful. It reminds him that God is faithful. 
the end of verse 7 to, to verse 9, as you wait for the revealing of our Lord Jesus Christ, who will sustain you to the end, guiltless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ, God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of His Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Paul ends this section reminding the Corinthians that God will sustain them, that He will make them guiltless on the day of Christ Jesus. Now, remember, He knows all the the mess, and He's saying, you will be faultless and guiltless at the day of Christ Jesus, not because of you, but because God is faithful. Because God will sustain you to the end. It reminds us of Philippians chapter 1, verse 6. And I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. What is amazing is he's he's reminding them. (laughs) He knows what a mess it is, but he's saying, God is at work in your midst. He is faithful. He will sustain you. He will present you guiltless. Not only are we sustained by Him, not only the Corinthian church was sustained by Him, but they they were called into unity with Christ, into fellowship and communion with Him. Roger Ellsworth says, To have fellowship with Christ also involves communion. This means we are conscious of Christ's presence in our lives. We have communion with Him as He speaks to us in His Word and as we speak to Him in prayer. He reminds them, you have been united with Christ. You have fellowship with Him. This is not a, this is not a distant uh, thing. It's saying we have communion with Christ. You can, you can be... Um, you can hear his voice as you, as you read the word. And I don't know how many of us have experienced a deep sense of peace when, when we are praying with him. It's something deep and meaningful. And there is a union with Christ and a communion and a fellowship with him. And it is amazing. Now, if you pay careful attention to this whole section... If you read, read it over and over again, it is very striking that he doesn't start exactly with what they do or did not do. Paul starts not about, doesn't start with their actions, but Paul starts with their Savior. He wants to redirect their eyes to Jesus. If you observe closely, Jesus is referred to in every single verse. From verse 1 to 9, Jesus appears. Verse 5 is the only one that doesn't explicitly say Jesus. But all the other verses, uh, but it, it, it still refers to him. All the verses have Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Paul starts his letter to a complicated church by reminding them that Jesus is at work, that they must look to Jesus, that God is faithful, that He will accomplish what He has begun. 
Let me tell you tonight, it's important for us to, to be reminded, along with the Corinthian church, to be focused on Jesus. Because at the root of all the mess that they were going on, and all the chaos in Corinth, at the root of it is sin. The root of the problems was sin. Sin as at the root of the divisions and the selfishness and, and the pride and the lack of love and the immorality. And Christ, Christ the Savior is the solution. Christ and what he has done on the cross is what cleanses. It is in Christ that we receive forgiveness. It is in Christ and, and what he has done on the cross that we are changed and transformed from glory to glory. And so I, I don't know what kind of chaos or sin you're entangled with. And I want to say tonight, look to Christ. Repent of your sin and turn to Him. Melissa and I have started reading a book called When Sinners Say I Do. And a theologian, Thomas Watson, said this phrase that we read in that book and really stayed with me. Till sin be bitter, Christ will not be sweet. See, our tendency is to look at the Corinthian church and think, how could they? How could they? But if you look close enough on church history, you will see that the church, unfortunately, people inside the church have, have um, had all kinds of terrible scandals. And, and though the temptations say, how could they? I can tell you, if, it's, if it wasn't the grace of God in our hearts, we would be no different. None of us are exempt from falling. So church, tonight, what is, what is it, what entanglement or chaos or sin that you are facing that needs to become bitter to you. Turn to Christ. May Christ be sweet. May we look to Him. He is the one that sustains us. He is the one that, that um, will present us guiltless and faultless the day of Christ Jesus. It will be interesting because as we know, Christ, Christ will build His church. He preserves His church. It will be interesting one day in heaven when we meet some of those Corinthian brothers <laughs> and recognize that it is really His grace alone. It is only His grace that sustains us. Let us pray. Lord, we...
are reminded even through tonight's passage that you have been gracious to us. You have given us so much. Thank you because you are faithful. Thank you because you sustain us. Thank you because even though we often fail you, you remain faithful, Lord. And so, Lord, would you help us to turn to Christ? I don't know what is going on in the lives of every person that is here tonight, Lord, but I do want to pray and ask that your Holy Spirit will convict hearts of sin, of entanglement, and that they will turn to Christ. They will repent of their sin and turn to Christ because God has called us to be holy and saints and separate. So Lord, would you please help us? Will you please be merciful to Central Baptist, Lord? In our human frailty, we are no better than the Corinthian church. It is your grace that carries us, Lord. Would you help us to live according to the calling that you have given us? I ask you this in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening to this sermon. Find out more about Central Baptist Church at www.central.org.za.